as I said, unconscious bias. I mean, you know, people are going, okay, well now our shareholders want us to have 30% women on board. I guess we better, guess we better hire a few or put a few on the board. And that, that's, I mean, it's problematic. I mean, it's wonderful because it gives us the chance to kind of show <laughs> the merit of having more women on boards and creating a more uh, balanced perspective. But if people feel as though they're being forced into it, then that puts, you know, you at a disadvantage immediately, right? So right. It, it requires you then to prove yourself. The minute you're on that board, it's like, okay, Right. I, you know, I'm going to have to work hard here to show them that I should be sitting here. So, and that's, you know, it's not like we're not used to that. <laughs> it's just, it's, 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 you know, it's just a different flavor. This podcast is brought to you by Dentons. We are the largest law firm in the world with offices in more than 200 locations across 80 countries available to support you everywhere you do business. We're a law firm that embraces change and can help you grow, protect, operate, and finance your organization, which is why Dentons is organized to offer more than just legal insight. We're here to help you find business solutions in a seamless fashion across the globe. Hi, everyone. My name is Heather Barnhouse, partner and lawyer in our Edmonton office. Welcome to my podcast where I explore the topic of women in entrepreneurship and leadership and the ecosystem supporting the growth of this segment. Today, I'm joined by Heather Culbert, the co-founder and chair of Board Ready Women. Welcome, Heather. Thank you so much for having me, Heather. To get us started, can you give our listeners a little bit of background about yourself and how you found yourself at Board Ready Women? I'd be glad to. Um, so, you know, my background is uh, in oil and gas, and I was a senior executive um, at Enterplus when I work graduated. I was far too young to actually uh, to actually retire, so I work graduated, and I because I had a lot of passion for things that were happening in the community, and really felt as though I could make a difference on various boards. Um, that was about oh, I don't know, fifteen years ago. Oh wow, or so, maybe even more. And uh, I found myself at that time when I was uh, looking for board work that I wasn't, I, I had the most amazing network as a female executive and as one of the very few female executives in Calgary, I, I thought, well, you know, the phone's going to be ringing off the hook. I mean, people are going to want me to be on their boards. Well, it wasn't. And I was, I was pretty um, surprised by that, actually, uh, because I had a lot of I have a lot of expertise in the in the industry as well as, you know, from a leadership perspective, strategy and MA and all sorts of other. And my background is IT. So that's a, you know, it's an interesting combination, right? IT and HR. Yeah. And so I um, you know, the phone didn't ring, the phone didn't ring. And so I started on, you know, took took it under under my uh, own control and and uh, went on the board of United Way Calgary. Hmm. And then subsequently went on a few other not-for-profits, Alberta Cancer Foundation, things that were really important to me. I was a board chair for SATE. And um, and and again, you know, just kind of made my way through, through those not-for-profits, really, um, you know, and chairing all three of those at some point in time. And so uh, ultimately just thought, again, I'm going to take this into my own hands. And so, you know, approached organizations that were for-profit to say, you know, look, I want to, I, I would like the board board uh, experience. And and luckily uh, got the opportunity with Whitecap, mm. which was amazing. Um, 
And so, but you know, my personal struggle, I thought, well, if this is what's going on with me, there's got right. to be, there has to be many other women this happens to. And I, you know, there was a, a, a group of women that really were on same group of women on on lots of boards, but there was no real uh, expansion of opportunities to other other women. And so I co-founded Board Ready Women with Linda Holhall, who had been doing her best in the background to expand, you know, the opportunities for more women on boards, as well as Jen Corey. Mm. And Jen Corey again is, uh, you know, an, a senior executive um, in the sector, um, and of course Linda being the the chair or the uh, CEO of, of TSX had lots of brought a lot of influence to the table. And so we started Board Ready Women just on the premise of there's got to be other women that are going through this. And it's ridiculous that we have to, you know, kind of start from square one on, on things like this. So so we, uh, you know, basically started with networking and brought women together, talked about kind of what some of the challenges were, some of the opportunities. We then started bringing in panelists. Sorry, my dog. <laughs> Panelists to uh, to speak about various board hot topics. We brought in um, you know experts on recruitment. We did a little bit of development as far as how do you kind of make your way on boards. What what kinds of skill sets do you need? What what's important as far as a as a board bio a CV? What what kinds of skill sets? You know, do you need your ICD? So. All of those topics, but most importantly, uh, the networking sessions were extremely important because it brought women together and men. So right. we really encourage men to come to these events because they are <laughs> huge door openers for us and can be very, very influential in helping us uh, open doors for uh, for for boards. So that's kind of a little bit about on my background and why we why we started this. And how long ago did you start it? How long has Board Ready Women been around? Uh, since 2018. So I guess about five years now. About five years mm -hmm. now. And mm -hmm. tell me what's changed in the five years. So you started, of course, you had all this momentum and you had all these great ideas and you had a, a network, maybe a, a small-ish network uh, who took the leap of faith with you on the on the assumption that you couldn't be the only one who was experiencing these challenges. And so on mm -hmm. that great idea, you, you um, set up this organization. And what has changed since since there's now an initiative and a concerted effort to get women on boards, what's changed in those five years? Well, I mean, we certainly have created more awareness yeah. um, for for the you know the imbalance, let's say, <laughs> of of women on boards. Um, and you know, and very unfortunately, Alberta is one of the lowest percentage yeah. of women on boards, which was really frustrating because we have so much talent in Alberta, so many talented women. And, you know, it was just, I, I was just truly frustrated with that. So by creating awareness and saying, look at, this is how we're doing relative to the rest of Canada and the rest of the world. This is, this is not acceptable. Yeah. And first creating that bit of a burning platform mm -hmm. and then allowing women to basically provide their profile uh, in a database that we have that includes everything from you know, what kind of experience do they have at, in, a, in an executive position? What kind of, uh, what are their skill sets? What is their background industry or sector of interest? Um, how many years of experience do they have on for-profit, not-for-profit crown boards? Um, what uh, what other things, uh, designations do they have? Do they have their ICD or, or other things that, that again, 
um, boards are looking for. So we created this amazing database. And right now we've probably got 270 odd women in that database um, from all over, actually, Canada, oh, as well as, yeah, as well as um, the US, um, Switzerland, interestingly enough. And um, th that, pardon me, that database helps us to create um, opportunity. So when we we receive board postings from many, many organizations, because our website is fantastic, uh, the members that are part of uh, Board Ready Women can go onto that website at any time and see what kind of board postings there are and feel free to apply for them. But sometimes we get specific requests for searches. And what we'll do with that is we will take the skill sets and the experience that they're looking for, and we'll provide them a dozen names mm -hmm. of women that fit that profile. From your data from your database. From the database. Yep. Yes. And so then they will they will take it from there. We're not a recruitment agency. I want to make that really clear. Yeah. That's not our role, but we want to just we we just want to be able to, you know, make that happen and and you know and and be an advocate for those for those women. Um and so we we pass that information on. We ask the women before we actually pass the information on if they're interested in that role, because the last thing you want to do is have everybody go, well, no, I'm not interested. I mean, right. you want people who are interested in those roles. And um, so, so far this year, for example, um, in 2022, we had 198 board postings on um, board ready women. We shortlisted candidates for over 122 positions of 10 to, 20 to 12 qualified positions each. And we're thrilled that over 60% of those women uh, were became directors. So we've made a we feel as though we've made a huge difference. And it continues to, um, as I said, the more people here, the more you know profile we're getting um across Canada. So it's yeah. been very, very good. That's great. Well, congratulations on the, on those strides. Uh, I know that's not as far as you want uh, want it to go. You would like there to be more representation and uh, mm -hmm. of, of women on boards, but um, you've made some really great strides. Tell me mm -hmm. how, as as a woman or or even men who are are allies who know about the benefits of of having women on boards, how do women get into your da database? Like how how do women? So you said you have you know you have this database of of people from all over. How do they get qualified or screened or whatever the case is to be placed in that that in that database? Well, first of all, we don't screen anyone um, okay. because because lots of people bring interesting skill sets. Of so uh, we we encourage people to have executive uh, you know experience because that really helps overall with you know typical board work where you need a broad um, skill set, um, everything from financial through to strategy, through to execution, et cetera. But we don't screen. Um, people screen themselves. They they need to decide whether they're ready or not. And then if they are, you know, if their skill sets are a match and their experience is a match, then, you know, who are we to say that they shouldn't be on boards, right? And so we really don't, we encourage everyone to, uh, you know, to to see if that's something they, they, they want to be a part of. Now, some women join Board Ready Women for the networking. They, they're right. not quite ready yet to be on boards, and they'll let us know that. And so there's some flags that we have in our database to say, you know, looking for mentors, 
looking for, you know, networking opportunities and things like that, but they're not quite ready. And that's okay too, because this is the best way to get ready, right? Is by is by networking and and talking to women of with similar interests and figuring out, you know, what what was the journey that other women went through in order to achieve where where they are um, as far as boards. Yeah, interesting. I want to pick up on the comment that you made about about mentorship. So so somebody who may not be quite ready to take a step on their own to to join a board, but they're looking for some mentorship, looking to kind of maybe dip their toe in the water a little bit, understand a little bit more about the role, but maybe they're preparing for that. So they're preparing to graduate from work as you did, and they're looking for, you know, their next chapter, and that might include some board work, but they they want to, you know, approach that in a, in a cautious way. Tell me what a board mentor looks like. And in particular, of course, I come at this from a legal perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when we're looking at the, you know, the rules and the, and the sensitivity of, of much of the business information that's discussed around a board table and confidentiality agreements and, and all of those you know, things that, 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 that are surround that, how does one get a board mentor and what kinds of I guess, information sharing can a board mentor and mentee actually get into? Very interesting, interesting question. Um, You know, so first of all, you indicate that that you would like a mentor and and the mentors are typically women that have 10 years or more of for-profit board experience. And so they have experience probably on not-for-profits. Most of us, that's where we started. And that mentorship is provided um, for for a number of all sorts of reasons. Um, one could be that they're just looking for, you know, what's the best, what what should my board journey look like? Can you advise me on that? It could be um, I'm not getting on any boards. What what do I need to do differently? It could be um, I'm having an issue on a you know with a particular situation. Now, all of those things are done under the code of confidentiality. I mean, everybody signs non-disclosures and, and it's not something that we, you know, and these these women are extremely professional. So they they know that even without even without yeah. saying it. But um certainly I feel as though the mentors themselves are they they gain a lot of of uh advanced knowledge that they wouldn't otherwise get had they not had mentors. So we I don't know how many um, mentors we have right now, but it's probably 30 or 40 mentors. And, you know, some of them will take on two or three, um, you know, mentees. And uh, that just really helps, again, accelerate the process and give people, you know, a, you know, the guidance that they need from time to time. So it's, uh, it's very helpful. Yeah, that's great. And I, I, I certainly know, you know, with the board work that I've done and, and the, the educational components and the networking that you do around that is sometimes it's nice to have a formal mentor or to have a kind of a one-on-one conversation. But often it, when you attend an, an educational seminar or a networking seminar or, or you know, some kind of a, a webinar, just the fact that other people are talking about an issue that may be related to yours. So maybe I have this, you know, particular fact pattern and I don't want to share the, the the specifics about that for confidentiality reasons, but to hear other people talk about a governance challenge or to talk about an HR issue, um, I I find that there's a lot of sharing that people can do in a fairly generic way that actually prompts people to think about their situation maybe a little bit differently. And and there's a lot of value in there. It's it's funny as a, as a lawyer, people come to me and they say like, oh, my company it's so particular, it's so nuanced, it's so special. And I have an HR issue. It's like, no, lots of companies have HR issues. So just mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. you're in this particular industry, 
how another industry may have, you know, whatever tools they might have used to solve that problem may in fact translate into what you're you're talking about. But often I think you, you kind of get you get stuck in your little trench and you get blinders on and you and you're you're less, you know, less receptive to to hearing those things. But when you hear it in a very generic context, um, I think people can find lots of things that uh, apply to them. So I think there's some value in in the one-on-one, but also in having the more generic conversations to just brainstorm about some different ideas that might uh, might be helpful. Yeah, no, definitely. Very helpful. I want to dig down a little bit. Um, one of the comments that you made earlier on was that Alberta, unfortunately, is one of the provinces where we have a lower than than desirable um, number in, in, in terms of that gender representation. Um, nationally, I think it's about 24% of women hold board positions in Alberta. It's just slightly lower than that. What, what are some of the barriers that women face in being recruited for high profile boards and, and what, what's behind that? Well, I mean, you know, to be completely honest, a lot of it is unconscious bias. Yeah, you know, um, especially in Alberta, um, we have a lot of, of um, male dominated organizations, and that's just the way it is. And I mean, I managed to find my way through and had a very successful career just like you have. And it's and it's and it's hard work. And, and that's that's just, you know, that's what you sign up for. And that's just the way it is. Um, some of the barriers are that there's not very many female CEOs in yeah. Alberta. Yeah, as a matter that's of fact. Right. I think it's, um, you know, in, in Calgary, I think we have seven female CEOs, you know, for, for mid to larger cap type organizations, which isn't very, you know, high because most boards are looking for that CEO experience. And so, right. <clears throat> I mean, there's, there, it's, it's great to have CEO experience, but it's very few and far between. And so now what we're asking boards to do is say, look, what kind of skill set, if people have had executive roles, yeah. Um, yeah. They are in the, you know, they're at the table, they're talking about uh, situations and, and scenarios that, you know, a CEO is exposed to. So, um, you know, tell us how we can, you know, so, so it's basically, it's up to you then uh, to the board to test kind of what areas that they are, are concerned about or may be concerned about, but there's no reason why an executive type uh, role can't, can't also be is very qualified and <clears throat> so that's one of the major barriers is that we don't have a lot of female CEOs but we have a lot of you know more and more female executives I think another uh barrier is just you know men you know network better I mean honestly it's true we we tend to they tend to have more opportunities for that um, now we we are saying that you know through board ready women and and other fantastic initiatives that are happening in Alberta, um, there's more opportunity for women to connect and then create those connections through, you know, various uh, opportunities. I mean, one of them is Board Ready Women for sure. But another one that's in Calgary and that will be coming, I'm sure, sometime soon to, to Edmonton and across Alberta is Access Connects. And Access Connects right. is all about creating more, helping get more women into decision-making roles. Right. And that's what's going to allow us to expand the executive, uh, the female executive role roles is to have more women in decision making roles through th things like networking and mentoring. 
So uh, those are some of the those are some of the major barriers. I think, you know, if people are looking for specific skill sets, I think you know it's 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 very possible. You know, male, female, whatever. I mean that both that works on both sides. But right. it's when they get to the CEO um, type of a uh, you know focus that that creates creates issues, as well as just as I said, unconscious bias. I mean, you know. People are going, okay, well, now our shareholders want us to have 30% women on board. I guess we better, guess we better hire a few or put a few on the board. And that that's, I mean, it's problematic. I mean, it's wonderful because it gives us the chance to kind of show <laughs> the merit of having more women on boards and creating a more uh, balanced perspective. But if people feel as though they're being forced into it, then that puts, you know, you at a disadvantage immediately, right? So right. It, it requires you then to prove yourself. The minute you're on that board, it's like, okay, right? I, you know, I'm going to have to work hard here to show them that I should be sitting here. So, and that's, you know, it's not like we're not used to that. <laughs> it's just, it's, 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 you know, it's just a different flavor, but um, not, not meaning to, you know, not again, not meaning to peg anything. It's just, you know, that's just the reality. It is the reality. And not every board is like that. Right. I'll bet you, you know, if I were to, it's less than 50%, but it's still too high. But as you said, I mean, you know, this, this is creating awareness and, you know, now, you know, shareholders and, and, uh, you know, various shareholder represent representation is really kind of saying, look, this is, this is really important because the statistics show us that there's better financial results there's better decision making um overall you know when you have a more balanced perspective on your board yeah it's interesting one of the one of my observations from the board work that I've done is that sort of to address that unconscious bias and I don't know whether that this is even conscious that that consciously they're sort of tackling this but the boards that have been really successful in getting appropriate skill sets. So not always the CEO, but, you know, maybe an HR professional, maybe an executive who has some really deep HR um, experience, for example, or IT or whatever the case is, they've been very, those boards have been very deliberate. And I, I would say this is, of course, a complete generalization, but those boards have been very deliberate about doing a, a true inventory of the skills in the in the people that they have around the table and maybe those whose terms are up and so they're they're trying to uh, replace those individuals and really thinking about the totality of the board and if you know if so and so leaves or if this skill set leaves what do we need to you know to be complementary and those that that take the time to really do that inventory and, and prepare a skills matrix and sort of think about well this this person this individual is leaving in a year and then following that that individual will leave so we need to think, you know, about the bigger picture. Often, if they're disciplined enough to think about the particular skills, they it it helps remove some of that bias because they think, okay, I don't I don't just need to replace, you know, John Smith on this board because he's leaving. It's this skill set, and so their mind is a little bit um, opened to the possibility of, well, we don't actually care, you know, necessarily that we replace. Uh, a male, pale, stale, uh, you know, board member with somebody who looks just like them, but we want to make sure that we are are adding some skill sets that are very complementary. But I will say that it's very difficult for those boards to be disciplined about applying that that thinking about a skills matrix because they never had to do that in the past. And so this is one more thing, you know, to add to to add to their plate. But certainly my observation 
is that those boards that have taken the time to really do that inventory, I think come up with better, you know, better rounded boards. And one of the boards that I was involved in um, was a crown corporation that was working in a, in a particular vulnerable sector. And they, they specifically, we identified the skill set of having representation in that group. And so, yes, we had some male, female, you know, desires, but we also wanted to make sure that we were pulling from that population as well. And so then, mm -hmm. then you're adding, you know, some skills and you're adding some, we want some people from this treaty and that treaty, and we want some people from other areas. And, and it does become a bit of a puzzle piece to fit together, but at least they're having the conversations and being disciplined about their, their succession plans. So I don't know whether that sort of consciously tries to address the unconscious bias, but I certainly think it's one of the tools that uh, is moving the needle in, in my observation. And I would totally agree with that, Heather. I, I, you're absolutely right. The more um, conscious you are in, in really looking at your skill set matrix, um, the better off you're going to be in really determining not just what your current needs are, but your future needs your future. based on That's your strategy, based on yeah. your strategic direction. But there is one more barrier. And it's term limits. And, yes. you know, it's, it's to me, it's everybody struggles with it because they don't want to, you know, either don't want to expand their board uh, size, which I understand, yeah. or they, you know, they don't want to have to basically kick someone off the board, which, right. you know, and, and, you know, like people should never see it that way. But if you've been on a board for 10 years, you know, I think you should you should look internally at yourself and say, you know, am I really the best person to be on this board right now? Um, you know, can I be talking to them to the organization, you know, to the my fellow board members, the governance committee to see if we should be in, incorporating term limits and let me be the first one to kind of, you know, step out there. I mean, I, I think anytime you're on a board for more than 10 years, you really do need to ask yourself that question. Yeah, I can. I, I can. I don't think enough people do. I just don't. I I agree, and it and it's a tricky. It's a tricky thing. It's especially. I think this comes up most particularly in the not for profit and the the charitable sector, where you you know you people are afraid of losing the institutional knowledge. So we've had these people for ten years. We're finally in a mm -hmm. position where we're you know being able to execute on our strategy. We don't want to. We don't want to blow that up. We don't want to lose their experience. But they haven't thought about that continual succession planning and and making that onboarding and that knowledge transfer really a deliberate thing. It's an afterthought. And so I think that's where you get cross-threaded with these term limits because people are like, well, it's better to have some board members than none um, because my funder requires it and all these things, but they haven't been deliberate about thinking about that uh, succession plan. So I like that. I think that we all have an mm -hmm. obligation to really look in the mirror and uh, and make sure that we personally are upholding those, those best practices for the best of the organization, really. Mm -hmm. I'll bet you, honestly, Heather, if you were to look at the number of organizations that have term limits on their boards, it would be 20% or less. I mean, honestly, oh, people just people just don't like to do it. And it's and you know, it's it's really they have to look at what's the best thing for the organization and and not for you know the personal ties that you've made or how you feel right. about so-and-so and, you know, like we've, we've got things staring us in the face, cybersecurity. Oh my God. If you do not have someone on your board these days right. with a tech background, yep. you know, you are, to me, it's, it, the organization is a high risk. If of you course. don't have someone on your board right now with, you know, and, you know, like I know it's overplayed, blah, 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 but ESG is so important. And if you don't have someone with that perspective, 
then you know you're it's it's just going to create a lot of uh, dissatisfaction with the organization both internally and externally so you know you've got to really really look at what okay so yes we needed someone that had operations experience but that's great but you know like we're not that's not strategic anymore you know we need someone now with these types of strategic skill sets so yeah that's not enough yeah they people need to look at it very differently with a different lens yeah, I agree. I want to pick mm-hmm. up on that a, a little bit in terms of um, so you've 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 identified ESG, for example, you've identified some specific skill set in in cyber uh, and making sure that you're bringing those skills to the board. What about education for the board generally? So you have all these different people who bring different skill sets together, but they don't necessarily gel immediately because they are they're all in their little silos. Um, governance, as you know, is, a, is a, a very nuanced area, and it requires some some diligence and some learning and, and understanding of its role in, in public, private, or nonprofit organizations, and that's slightly different. Does, does Board Ready Women encourage that professional development of, of candidates and of boards? And, and if so, does it offer some specific training for boards, or does it look to partner organizations to, to dig into some of that training? Yeah, no, we we definitely look to partner organizations to do some of that training. I, you know, we'll we'll do a development session every year sure. on a yep. on a specific topic. And last year it was ESG. Yeah. Um, and this year we don't know what it will be, but it will be some some board hot topic that um you know requires development. And and you know, sometimes it's just the realization that oh, I don't know that. And how, yeah. if that's if that's important, I need to go and and dig in more to talk to competent board boards about ESG. I need to go to ICD and get my ICD training. I need to, I mean, we have some tremendous partners out there. I mean, right. uh, women get on boards is is focused mm-hmm. on development and helping women get ready for you know board, you know positioning themselves on board. So it's not necessarily our ex- area of expertise. And, you know, we've been really careful about this. The last thing we want to do is reinvent the wheel. Of course. You're of course. so focused on, you know, delivering something that is very unique and, and you know, somebody that other organizations aren't doing, which is why I'm pleased to say that um, we are Going, we're going into a nationwide, a national uh, collaboration agreement with a, a national partner, oh, which will broaden board ready women across Canada. And I can't say right now who it is because we haven't got our comms plan together. But when we do, believe me, Heather, you'll be one of the first to know because Great. it's very exciting because it people is. are going, this is something we need. It's not, that, it isn't being done mm-hmm. anywhere else in Canada. We need to do this. So, so we're really, yeah, we're in- really excited. It's interesting because you're right. There are, you know, there are other organizations that that's their lane. They stay in their lane mm-hmm. and they they deliver the content, they deliver the programming, they deliver that educational material, but they don't necessarily deliver the networking or the connections, the mentorship. And so to have a collaboration, what a powerful, you know, opportunity that is to bring both of those those features together um, and to get, as you say, the recognition and the the uh, the recognition and the 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 knowledge that these organizations exist and so if you have these partnerships that's a great way to to be able to move forward i want to ask so we've you, already we've already established one in in edmonton for example like we're we're doing board ready women now in edmonton and we had our first session in november and we're doing another one on february well in february so i know that that this will probably be broadcast after that but the point is is that we're constantly looking at opportunities to uh to expand 
nationally and people are seeing it as being true value anyway no that's thanks. great that's great we're happy to happy to hear that and i i think it's um those kind of collaborations and expansion across canada are certainly needed because the the mission and the vision are, are certainly uh applicable no matter where you are in canada mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i wanted to ask you about some of the common myths about women on boards what could you name a, a few of them whatever your favorite ones are and can you dig in a little bit as to why it is that some of these myths persist? And maybe the, maybe the answer is this unconscious bias that we've talked about already. But what if we peel back the onion a little bit, what are the theories on how, why those myths exist and what can we do to try to break through those? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> there's, there's a ton of myths, but... Um... <laughs> What are the ones you that know, come up the most for you that you hear your, your organization sort of reiterate to you? Well, I mean, just that the whole CEO and financial experts one is, is a myth, um, yeah. you know, like, because we are breaking that one down, we're, you know, we're kind of moving away from that. So um, certainly people are starting to be more aware that it's just not CEOs. So, the, I mean, yeah. that's, that's a myth. People are looking for a wide variety of knowledge and skill sets um, right now. Um, and so there's a good chance there's a board out there that's looking for your unique skills and experience. So that's a myth. That's good, um, that's good to hear. Yeah, I think so. Um, there's only a handful of seats at the table for women. Um, other women aren't comp competition. I mean, we have yeah. done this to ourselves and, and a lot of, you know, things, I mean, I'm sure you've met them along the way too, you know, the ones that aren't actually giving you a hand up, they're kind of pushing you down. Yeah. And we can't do that. We actually have to advocate for one another, because that's the only way we're going to kind of break down some of these barriers. Um, so, you know, the goal is to expand the opportunities for women and, you know, empower each other, share ideas and things like that. But, you know, you can just, you hold the door open for one another. That's kind of the, you know, that's one of the things that I think, you know, we have to, we can, we can help make that happen. Right. So I think that's a myth. Um, board service is an easy way to make money. That's a huge myth. <laughs> and, and categorically untrue. I am here to say that. And categorically Nothing easy about it. <laughs> untrue. And I, you know, and I think it was, Oh, I think it was one of the very first board ready women events we had. And I had a male panel and I don't even know why I thought that was a good idea, but at the time <laughs> well, you've learned from then. Yeah, I learned from it, but you know, we had some great men, obviously. Um, and men that are very, very open to, uh, to making sure that women are part of, of, of the board. But one of the men said, well, you know what? I think none of you have any idea of how much work it is to be on a board. And it's like, listen, all of us have worked hard to get where we're at right now. So, so I think we have a pretty good idea. But Probably at the not same that time, difficult to understand. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, it's not that difficult to understand, but it is more work than you know, like when they, you know, they they kind of draw you in onto a board, which is fantastic. It's like, oh, it's only four meetings a year, and you know, mm. it's like you know, committee meet, you know, you'll have a couple of committee meetings, you know, you know, every quarter and, and things like that. Well, it's, you know, board preparation, it's, it's a big deal. Like it takes for me, uh, for example, Export Development Canada, I'm on that board and it takes me four days to prep for that. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, that's not 
paid extra, that's that's your obligation to make sure that you're up to speed on the materials, right? Okay. And okay. then when during COVID, we were having meetings every other week the whole yep. year. Yeah. So <laughs> it just it that's not something that you kind of build into the equation. I mean, but things happen, whether it's COVID or you know, like there's a, you know, shareholder activism or there's a cybersecurity event or there's some, you know, who knows, right? There's so there's so many things that can come your way. So, you know, like that's that's definitely a myth. Um, and, you know, just just, you know, the myth being that I can do this on my own. I mean, this is all about you, you're not going to ever know all of it ever. And so having a mentor or someone that you can on the board, a board buddy that you can kind of call and say, you know, what do you think about this? Am I reading the right thing into this? Can I, can you help me understand this? You know, is just a much better way to, um, you know, for your board experience. So those are, those are a few of the common myths. Yeah, no, that's really, that's really insightful. And I think, I think those are really common myths. And I think, you know, you, you hear some iteration of that, maybe not articulated, exactly that way but the root cause of it I think is are, are many of the, the things that you have um, articulated so that's really helpful you've talked you've talked a little bit about um, some of the collaborative collaboration opportunities that you have coming up and those are exciting and we'll all wait to hear more when those are public and and uh, we can we can learn more about that beyond those national collaborations and the expansion uh, nationally across the country and um, continuing the, the the great work, what is next for board ready women? Like when will it have achieved its goal? I hope we're out of business next year. Okay. okay. So the goal is to get out of business. 50%. 50%. <laughs> 50%. Okay. Yeah, 30%, so we've got, we've 30 got, uh, is just like, a, you know, like that's just the first hurdle. We've got a lot more to do. Um, you know, and, and, you know, so by the way, another myth is there just aren't enough women that are that are board ready. And that's, that's just not true. It's just not, it's true. not true. We actually yeah. have a lot of talented women and, um, and it's not the same women over and over and over again. We have yep. met lots of talent. And so, you know, at there's, you know, for sure we can get to 30, yep. um, you know, and for sure we can get to 40 and, you know, with, with the development that we're doing right now to get more women into decision-making roles, we'll get to 50. I mean, there's no doubt. But, you know, this is this is something that, you know, no, this this goes on because there will be something else that comes along as far as, you know, how do we, you know, how do we make sure that we're that we're, you know, equal members and and, you know, like we're we're actually contributing the same. I mean, there's just so many different so many different kind of barriers along the way. Um, well, but this first term is a big one. Right. right. And I also think that, you know, the, the, obviously there's a lot of power in, in a network. And so once you have a network that's of a sufficient size to allow you to get to that 30% and then 40% and then ultimately 50%, that network has to expand as well to, um, you know, to proportionately to allow that to happen. And all good things come from great networks. And so, as you say, there's, there's always going to be something, but you're going to have such a great uh, team of, of women of talented women who are ready to take on the challenges that we can't even articulate and identify today. No, for sure. Yes. It's a very exciting time, actually. Good. Where mm -hmm. can our listeners find out more about Board Ready Women? Well, we have a great website, boardreadywomen.com. 
And um, yeah, so we're all of the information that you need to kind of sign up. We have events quarterly. Uh, certainly, we encourage people to to come to the events. Um, most of them are virtual and in person in Calgary, okay. especially. Yeah. Um, and uh, just, you know, come to an event and see what it's all about. We had 175 people at the last event. Oh, wow. Um, which was two days ago and over 100 in person and the rest were virtual. So we're, yeah, super excited that we just continue to build momentum. And now we're going to be looking for a larger and larger space to be able to do these things, which is not a bad problem to have. Except when you're not for profit, and by the way, we are not for profit. It means that you know we're self-sustainable, which means that we have to we have to find some good sponsors along the way to help us, you know, make take the next step. And so you know we've got we've got a we've got a few, um, and we'll just continue to continue to make sure that you know. And so we ask people for two hundred fifty dollars a year. It's nothing, yep. honestly, in the scheme of things. Um, to help us with our admin and, and, you know, getting these events planned and, you know, there's always food and drinks at the events and there's always tons of, you can't put a price on networking. You just can't. It's amazing. Yeah. You're planting lots of seeds and then you're watching lots of plants grow. Right. uh, That's what, that's what we're hoping. Very exciting. Good. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for taking time to chat with me today. I've learned a lot and I think that so much of what you've talked about is relevant and interesting to our audience. Many of them are uh, executives. Many of them are looking for board opportunities. I've had many conversations with uh, many of my entrepreneur clients about how do I get myself on a board? How do I get ready? Mm -hmm. What are those next steps? And so all of what you're what you're saying, I think, will resonate um, with the audience. So thank you so much for taking time to chat with me. Well, I'm so pleased to be here. And thank you so much, Heather, for your interest and, and taking the time to learn more about what we're doing. My pleasure. Thank you for joining the podcast today. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe or follow to get notified when we have an update.